Well, good morning again, Living Church. Man, thanks for being here. So excited about everything that God's doing. Man, I'm pumped about all the testimonies we've been hearing about Life Group launch, about so many people went to Life Group. Thank you to our leaders and our home openers. Thank you if you went. If you haven't got connected to a Life Group, this semester is just kicking off, and so I'd love for you to get plugged in. I'm pumped about next week, uh, Serve Sunday, as we all come together at 9 a.m. to go and serve our community. Now, for you guys, I think y'all are going to be fine. I'm not really nervous about the 10 o'clock. The 8.30, we know they're going to be here on time. 10 o'clock, y'all are going to be good. It's just an hour early. I'm a little nervous about that one o'clock service though, y'all. One o'clock people, I'll be up here preaching. They're still coming in like 1.45, so we got to help them today. But you guys, I know you are good. Y'all going to be here at nine o'clock. It's going to be so fun. And then tonight, so pumped tonight, we're doing Encounter Night. I'm going to talk about that as we have some time of extended worship to really connect to the Lord. Today is the last week of our series, Peace and Power, a study on the Holy Spirit. We've talked about how God is one in three persons. He's one being made up of three persons. God is Father, he's Son, and he's Holy Spirit. And a lot of times in Christian faith, people have a really good understanding of the Father and the Son, but they get a little shaky when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. But to really know who God is, you have to know all of him. You know, the Bible says that when you get married, you are one. So that means Rachel and I are one. And so if you really want to know me, you've got to know her. You can't actually know me all the way if you've never even met my wife. And the same thing is true with God, that to really know who God is, we have to have an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. So that's why we've been talking about him. Second week into the series, we talked about how God has a three-step process that he hopes that we'll walk through. The first is the one that we have to walk through, and that's salvation, that we would get emptied out. So first we're emptied out, that's how we're saved. Then God directs us to get washed, that's to be baptized, that we would wash out and have public declaration of our faith. But then the third step is that he would desire that we would be filled. You see, it's not just enough to get emptied out of the bad stuff, but that we would get filled up, come on somebody, with the good stuff, that God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And then his desire is that we would not just be like a vase on a shelf just for display, but that we would be broadcasting who he is, that the power of God would be flowing out of our lives like a dispenser. He wants to flow out in a couple different ways. He wants to flow out in the fruit of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He wants to flow out of us in the fruit, but he also wants to flow out of us in the gifts, in the gifts. The fruit are our uh, character, whereas the gifts are capabilities that God gives us. We've been talking about this a little bit through the series. Uh, And so, so far, talking about the gifts, here's what we've covered. We've covered wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, Miraculous works, distinguishing between spirits, and then last week we talked about different kind of tongues and interpretations of tongues. So there's nine gifts. So far we've covered eight. That means that this week we're covering the last one, which is prophecy. I'm so excited to talk about this idea today. Sometimes we hear the word prophecy and we think, woo hoo hoo it's like this mystical idea. Aaron, he said to me, you know, prophecy is not like a unicorn. Prophecy is not something that you never see, but that it's something that God just wants to be flowing in our everyday life. The same way that we can worship and pray, we can prophesy and speak into somebody else's life. And so we want to kind of demystify that a little bit today. Um, but last week, let me, let me catch you up if you weren't here. Last week, we talked about this idea of speaking in tongues, having a prayer language. And I know that sometimes when we start talking about speaking in tongues, it can freak some people out because we're like, Pastor Trust, I thought you were cool, but you might be a weirdo, right? And so last week, we talked to really three different groups. 
We talk to those of us that have grown up maybe in the faith and we have an understanding and operate in the gifts. Then we talk to people who are okay with speaking in tongues but maybe not operate in it and they need some more detail. And then we talk to people who are just a little freaked out and maybe had a bad experience like I did at one point in their life with the church and kind of how they taught on some of this. And so we kind of wrapped it up. So I'd really encourage if you weren't here to go online, listen to last week's message. But let me just break it down really fast. We said that there are four different types of prayer language of tongues that are represented in the New Testament. Two of those are private, so just between you and God, and two of those are public, meaning that they would be done in front of other people. And it's really important that we understand the, uh, the difference between these two. So first, let me talk about private tongues, between you and God. These are tongues for personal prayer or for intercession. You see, God has a perfect plan and perfect will for your life. God wants amazing things to happen in your life, and that's his job. He wants your life to be full of love and joy and peace and provision and health and power. And here at Living Church, we would just call that a life of more, that he wants you to live a life of more. Now, the way that God's will is accomplished on earth is through our words. Words are powerful, y'all. Words have the power of life and death. The Bible tells us that what we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What we bind on earth will be bound in the spiritual realm that we can't see. And so God's will is accomplished through our words, but there's a major problem. The problem is the only time we ever talk, it comes out of our mind or our heart. That our thoughts are the things that create our words. That our emotions are the things that inspire our words. And so sometimes God has a perfect plan, perfect will for our life. Our words are powerful but we don't know what to say. Right. Have you ever been there? Yes. I've had difficulties and situations and issues that I'm like, man, I don't even know what to pray about. Right. I don't even, God, know what needs to happen. So God gives us this gift called a prayer language. So the prayer language surpasses our mind, surpasses our emotions, and gets his will into our life so we can live a life of more. And so we talked about that last week. Have you ever been, man, why would I need to have this prayer language that I don't know what I'm talking about, it's so that God can circumvent your feelings and get into what he wants to accomplish in your life. So we talked about that last week more in depth. I'd encourage you to go watch it if you weren't here. Then we talked about the public tongues. There's tongues as a sign. Tongues as a sign. So this would be if someone were to pray in a language that they don't know, but somebody else does. So like if you're praying in tongues and you don't know what you're saying, but you're sitting next to someone who knows German and you just happen to be speaking in German and then God's speaking through you to them, that's a miracle. It's something that's in the New Testament. It's not something that I've seen personally in my life, mostly because I live here in America where most of us speak English. But time after time, I hear God doing this miraculous work through missionaries all around the globe. It happened in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost. Another type of tongues that's referenced in the Bible is tongues for interpretation. This is when there's a group of believers, everyone say believers, a group of believers that are together, and one person would speak out in a prayer language, nobody knows what they're saying, and another person has the gift of interpretation of what they say. So they're now trying to say what it is that God said. And I think that this is where last week we spent some time to create some etiquette for the church. Paul is really clear that this gift should be used in a group of believers, and here at Living Church on a Sunday, it's my hope and it's our desire that there would always be people coming in who don't know God. Yes. That this is not a holy huddle, that this is not like we check your Christian card at the door and if you don't have one, you can't come in. As a matter of fact, we hope that hurting broken people that are far from God right. come to Living Church. And so Paul's really clear. Uh, 
and he tells us this in 1 Corinthians 14, 23. <clears throat> if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are all out of your mind? And he's saying that if we who understand these gifts go all the time into the spiritual deep end, then people who are new are going to drown because they don't know what's happening. Right. And so there's some modesty that needs to be taking place with these gifts. And so the speaking in tongues publicly with an interpretation is something that we believe that would be used where there's a group of believers. So that's at things like Encounter Night, at SummerSlam, which is our big revival services. That's like prayer meetings or worship nights that are worship uh, moments that believers are there. And so we just want to have some etiquette. We talked about that last week. So if you feel like you have a word from the Lord during a service, our encouragement would be to write that down on a connection card in front of you or to find one of our elders or our pastors and share that with them. And they're going to weigh that for what the word says and what God's doing. They'll bring it to me, and then we'll decide how to proceed from there. I think that having this structure uh, is really important. You know, for a bird to fly, it needs two wings. And I think for a church to be successful, we have to be spirit-led and we have to be structured. And a lot of times I think that churches, they can get a little bit out of balance and they can be so spirit-led that they got all the gifts and all the Holy Spirit and all the things, but they don't have any organization and they don't have any leadership, they don't have any structure, they don't have any financial balance, right? And so then they're just flying in a circle where sometimes I think that churches can focus so much on the structure and not allowing the Spirit to move that they just become systematic, right? And it's just like all structure and the Spirit of God isn't allowed to do anything. But here at Living Church, I believe I can fly, right? I believe that when we allow God to help us find leadership and structure and systems, but allow God's spirit to flow through us, we're going to be unstoppable. And so we talked about that last week, but this week, so excited to get into the last one of the manifestation gifts, and that is prophecy. Everybody say prophecy. So all throughout the Bible, there's this idea of prophecy from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Prophecy is just God speaking to a person, and then that person speaking what God said. It's not mystical. It's just us being attuned to God's voice and sharing what he's saying. The key text that we're going to walk through today is 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, nope, yeah, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 3. It says this, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will only be talking to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But, hear the transition? So speaking in tongues is just to God, but one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. So good, there's so much there in just those few verses. The first thing that it says is that love, let love be your highest goal. You know, in Christianity, love is the cornerstone. God is love. And so our goal needs to be that we are a loving people. Amen? Amen. Our goal as the church is that we would radiate the love of God everywhere that we go. That again, we're not just a bunch of people, stiff-arming people that walk in here, but that we would love people as they come into a relationship uh, with God. God is love. One of the fruits of the Spirit is love, so love should be flowing out of us. Throughout the series, we've been talking a lot in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14, but haven't really talked about chapter 13. 
Chapter 13 is famous for being known as the love chapter. If you've ever been to a wedding, chances are the pastor referenced some verse of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So let me just read you the first few verses in between this idea of the Holy Spirit. It says this, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. And so it's this idea that you can operate in all these spiritual gifts and speak in tongues and have mighty faith to move mountains, but if you're not loving people, then what are we even doing? And so as we're pursuing the gifts of the Spirit, we have to remember that we have to have the love of the Spirit too. Because sometimes what can happen in church world is we start getting the gifts and we get all haughty-taughty and stick our nose up in the air and think we're better than everybody because we're close to God. Our righteousness is as filthy rags in the presence of God, right? And so we have to love people as they come into this place. We have to love people. And so let me, let me go on. He says this, uh, key verse, 1 Corinthians 14. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives. So these are tongues and healing and the miraculous works. They're nine, right? But he points out that one is specific. And he says, especially the ability to prophesy. Prophecy is God using ordinary people to speak to others on his behalf. So good. Prophecy is God using ordinary people to speak to others on his behalf. We're, I don't know about you, but I'm an ordinary person. And so prophecy is God using me to speak his word to somebody else. I need Parker and Aaron to come and help me this morning to help illustrate this. So come on up, give it a hand for my boys. So, so let's do this. Aaron, you, uh, you are going to represent God. Come on, that's good. So here, put that on, put that on. Parker, I'm going to have you represent others. You're going to represent somebody who needs a word. So God has a word for people in your life. God has a word for other people. And you know the word that God has for everybody in our life? It's a word of love. And so God wants to broadcast love into other people's lives. And the way that he desires to do that is through you. So I'm going to represent you. So God wants to speak love to others through you. But here's the problem, is that sometimes other people are far from God. They're removed from God. There's some obstacles kind of disconnecting them from God. Like, if someone's not in a relationship with God, then they're probably not going to be praying regularly, right? They're not going to be talking. They're not going to be reading the word. And so if they're not reading the word, then they're going to be blind. Here, I, up, I upgraded you. I upgraded you. I had a black one in the first service, and so I got them. And so, and so they might be blind to the things that God has. And then, and then they're going to become, they're going to become deaf, they're not going to know that God's trying to speak because even though God might be shouting his love, right. if they're far and distant from him, then they're going to be removed. And then maybe if they're far from, if they're far from God, then they're also, then they're not going to be praying. And so, <laughs> and so they're not going to be, they're not going to be praying. And so God has a deep desire to get his love into other people, but we're all these things that are blocking us. And so something else that happens, parents, have you ever told your kids something and they didn't listen to you, 
but then somebody else told them and they listened to that other person? It's infuriating, right? And you know the reason? The reason is because most of the time, we think that our people are stupid. So, so, so we think that our people, our friends, are stupid. We think, well, man, they don't know, and so we don't listen. All the while, God is wanting to get his message. So here's all that prophecy is. This is all that prophecy is, is us as a regular person taking God's love and then projecting it into somebody else and say, hey, man, let me tell you a little bit about who God is. Let me show you. Let me help you get into a healthy relationship with the Lord. That's all that prophecy is. Come on, does it make sense to you? And so I just want to demystify it a little bit. Thanks, guys. Give it up for my fellas. I want to demystify it so that we can allow God to flow through us. Prophecy is when ordinary people, ordinary people are willing to allow God to do extraordinary things through them. So my hope is that at Living Church, I won't be the only one hearing from God and speaking it. But that we would be a whole body of people that would hear from God, that would take the love of God and project it into other people who might be far from him. You see, our words are powerful. The Bible says this about words, Proverbs 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Sometimes someone needs a sweet word and sometimes they need a healing word, but it comes through us if we're willing to speak it. Proverbs 25, 11, like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstances. And a prophetic word that God would give you to share with somebody It's just saying a word in the right circumstances. You might not know what's going on in their life, but God does. And when you're willing to go and say, hey, man, can I just tell you something? God loves you. He has a plan for your life. You might say, well, pastor, that's really vague. It's vague to you, but it's specific to them. A prophetic word does not have to be, thus saith the Lord, right? A prophetic word is just something on your heart for somebody else. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3. Let me read it again. Let love be your highest priority. But you should also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. But one who prophesies, listen to the three things. One who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. You being filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesying into someone else's life three different things can happen. First is they can be strengthened. A prophetic word gives someone power they need but don't have. You get that? You speaking a prophetic word gives someone power they need but don't have. If you drove your car into a ditch and your car was stuck in the ditch and I pulled up with my truck and I hooked a chain on my back bumper to your front bumper and pulled you out of the ditch, I would be giving you power you need but don't have. Who knows that as Christians we should be full of power? we should be willing to hook our power up to somebody else's situation to help pull their life out of a situation. But that only happens when we're willing to speak the word that God gives. So a prophetic word, it gives strength. Secondly, it encourages. It encourages. A prophetic word gives hope beyond what they could muster on their own. Sometimes we have this idea that you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which is true to a point, but sometimes people need hope. 
Sometimes people need to be inspired. They need to be motivated that our words can help persuade them to keep living and making the right decisions that they need to, that they need to make. A prophetic word, it helps encourage people. And then third, it says comfort people. A prophetic word can help people have peace in a tense situation. That when there's some chaos, there's some turmoil, there's some tenseness in their life, you coming along and saying, hey man, I see you, God's with you, he loves you, he's for you, not against you, that prophetic word can help them (sighs) kind of decompress. Because even though the storm might be raging, just knowing that God's in heaven watching and he's working gives you a whole lot of peace. And so what if there were a church that when people came into this place, they received words not just from me, but from all of us. What if you saw someone and the Lord put something on your heart and you went over to them and said, hey man, I don't know you, but I really feel like the Lord wants you to know this, that man, they would feel empowered and encouraged and God would bring them to whole other levels in life. I think the best way for me to illustrate this is to just tell you some stories of my own personal experience about how I was in seasons of life that I needed a word from God and I received a prophetic word from someone that helped me really shift my understanding. I remember uh, when I was 16 or 17, I felt a call to ministry to become a leader or a pastor or an evangelist. I didn't really know, and I was scared, and I was overwhelmed, and I thought I wasn't going to be good enough. I didn't know how to do any of that, and I was at a youth camp, and the guy who had been preaching the camp, he walked off the stage like after the service was over and like all the stuff's done and the band is gone and all the things, and the guy comes up to me and says, hey, uh, I feel like the Lord gave me a word for you tonight. He has a calling on your life. He's given you gifts and talents and abilities, and he wants to do great things through you. And I was like, well, that's weird. He just said kind of what I thought God was speaking to me. Then I turned to kind of go back to my chair, and my buddy Jonathan was there. and He came up to me and said, hey, Tristan, I've never really done this before, but I feel like the Lord has given me a word for you that he's given you gifts and talents and abilities, and he wants to do something in your life. And I was like, what did... Did you just talk to him and did he just talk to God? And like, how did you know? And I take a couple more steps and then a youth leader of mine comes up and he says, hey, Tristan, this is weird, but man, I feel like the Lord has a word that I'm supposed to share with you that he's given you gifts and talents and abilities and he wants to use you to do something for him. And so then I go back and sit down in my seat. I'm kind of overwhelmed. And then my youth pastor, who wasn't even at the camp, drove an hour because he said he felt like the Lord had a word, the Lord had a word for me. He said, hey, Tristan, man, God told me that he's given you gifts and talents and abilities and he wants to use you to do something. Who knows that I felt comforted and encouraged and like God was speaking to me in that, li- in that moment? I remember uh, I was getting ready to leave to come to Bible college, leave Michigan and come here to Texas to go to school. And I was scared and didn't want to go and was going to leave my family and freaking out a little bit. And the Sunday before I left, my pastor interrupted the service and he said, we, uh, one of our elders has a word from the Lord and he invited the elder up on the stage and there's this old guy and he, he goes, well, I feel like the, the Lord has a word uh, for the house and he says, I, the Lord says that I have a calling for you and I've equipped you to do great and mighty things in the earth and he said, trust in me, I am your God. And so I'm sitting there hearing it and everybody else just hears this nice kind of fluffy word from God. But anytime someone says, trust in, that's my name and so I hear it a little bit different. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, uh, God, are you, are you speaking to me? Trust in me. I'm your God. I've called you to equip you to do powerful things in the earth. When someone else, an ordinary person, is willing to give a prophetic word, it can bring all the new levels of strength in your life. That empowered me to believe that God was speaking. There was a time I was like a sophomore at Bible college, and I was about to quit. 
I wanted to quit. I was not doing great. I almost got kicked out because it's easy to get in trouble at Bible college. And so, like, all this stuff's going on. And my mom calls me one day kind of out of the blue. My mom says, hey, Trustin, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine, which was a lie. We need to do a series here called Four-Letter Words because one of them is fine. Fine is a dangerous word to always say. And so I say, Mom, I don't got time to get into that. But I say, Mom, I'm fine. And she says, well, I really feel like the Lord's telling me that you're not. And here's what you need to know. My mom just starts to speak love and encouragement and direction into my life. Who knows I felt comforted after that to keep pursuing the calling that God has. That was a prophetic word. I remember there was a time that I was, uh, after a service, I was sitting in a seat journaling. And I'm writing some things down that I feel like the Lord's speaking to me. And it's really weird. And I write in my journal, you are an acorn. You know, like a tree from a tree. I'm like, that's super weird. Okay, I am an acorn. Okay, God. And so then like a few minutes later, a uh, pastor, he walks down the aisle, not from behind me, so he kind of like look over my shoulder. He says, hey, Tristan, I have this really weird thing that God kind of put in my heart. I got this image of a giant acorn. And he says, I feel like you're a giant acorn. <laughs> I'm like, this is not happening. What is even going on? And I begin to pray and write, and God said, you know, Tristan, that an acorn, when it's buried, it dies. But once the acorn dies, something can grow out of it. So there's some things in your life that you need to bury and kill and put to death in your life so that I can sprout something new in you. Who knows that this pastor being willing to speak this word, it brought a whole new level of encouragement to me. Just because a normal person spoke something. I remember I was getting ready to make a big decision. I was stressed out about a couple different things. And I just couldn't figure out all the moving pieces. Ever been there? A lot of moving pieces. I don't know how it works. And a friend calls me on the phone and says, hey, uh, Tristan, I feel like the Lord has a word for you. I got a word picture of you sitting at a table, and you had your hands under the table, and there was this big chain and a big knot. And you were trying to untie the chain under the table, and you couldn't get it, and you were getting frustrated. And then you took the chain and put it on top of the table, and you were really easily able to untie it. I said, I don't know what that means, but I just feel like it's a word for you. And what it was is that I had all these things I was trying to figure out in my life, but I wasn't talking to anybody about it. And it made sense because at this time I was selling cars and so I was always had chains and cars on trailers and doing things. And so it's easy to untie a rope, but it's really hard to untie a chain because the links are falling into themselves. And it was this word that said, pull this thing onto the table, pull it into the light, and you're going to be able to untie the knot. It was a prophetic word that God gave somebody that they called me that gave me freedom. What if we had a church that all did that for each other? Not just for me, but we demystified prophecy and we prophesied over each other. Right. I remember a time that uh, my friend Jono, the same guy that was there when I got called to ministry, he called me, this was just four years ago. He says, hey, Tristan, I feel like I'm supposed to call you and ask you a question. I said, okay. He said, do you want to be a senior pastor? And I said, heck no. I don't want the stress I don't want the pressure. I don't want people frustrated with me. I'm cool at being a number two, supporting somebody else's vision, because I don't want the problems to come across my desk. I won't know what to preach every Sunday. I won't know how to balance the budget. I won't know how to handle problems that are in church. What do I do when someone's mad? What do I do when they send me a bunch of emails that are crazy? I don't know how to handle that. So no, I don't want to be a senior pastor. Bye. <laughs> and so I hung up, and I realized that everything I said in a 15-minute answer was insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. And so I called him back. And when I called him back, he said, 
are you done being insecure yet? <laughs> Sometimes God has a question that you're supposed to ask somebody so that their brain can engage and then he can actually speak right. to them. You see, God wants to use us to speak his words. I remember not too long ago, my friend Aaron started talking to me. He said, hey, Trustin, here's something you need to know. You've been strong enough your whole life, but you're in a season now that you're feeling like you're not strong enough. He said, with the growth of the church and the pressure and four services and new leaders and all these people, he said, I can see it on you that you feel like you're not strong enough. The problem is, is that you still think that you are. Because your whole life, you've had the personality and the power and the charisma and the energy to push the thing. He said, but the Lord's telling you to get out of the way and to bring some other people in to help push the rock up the hill and then watch what God does. I believe I can fly, right? When we would bring some other people in, and so it changed my mindset. It changed how we've structured staff. It's changed how we've engaged our elders and our directors and levels of ministry here at the church because who knows, my back is not broad enough to carry the vision in this place. But that revelation that seems kind of simple, like, duh, trust me, you're a good leader. You know you can't do it all, duh. But sometimes you just need a word from somebody to put it into perspective. And as I was writing all these down this week, I realized something pretty spectacular. <laughs> that all of these prophetic words that I've received, none of them happen from a microphone. All of these pivotal moments in my life that have literally shifted and directed my course just happened from friends talking to me. In the same way that a 16-year-old called me into ministry, that now at 40, my best friend helped me know how to do ministry better. They're just people. They're just my mom calling me on the phone. Just a friend I haven't talked to in five years sending me an email. Just a pastor walking off stage and not even preaching saying, hey man, I feel like here's what you need to know. Do you understand that we can all do that in our lives? That if we get full of the spirit of God, and we don't just keep it for ourselves so we look all fancy at church, but we allow it to flow out of us, that God can start changing people's lives, that people will come into this place hurting and find freedom. You know, prophecy can happen in a large group, but I think that it's way more common to happen individually. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it gives us the whole reason that I'm even here. I'm a pastor. God's appointed me to be a pastor. There's pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. There's all the five-fold ministry of the church. But it says this, pastors, their job is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This whole thing is not just about Pastor Trustin doing stuff. It's about the body of Christ doing stuff. It's about us speaking life and truth into others. And my hope is that we would be a church that's speaking what God has to say here on the stage, but speaking what God has to say there off the stage. You want to know where real ministry happens? Real ministry happens after life group in the driveway. That's where real ministry happens. Like, this is important, and we're open to the word of God, and we're all getting on the same page. We're getting some truth in our heart because it doesn't return void. But real life ministry happens when you come to an event at the park and just talk with somebody for an hour after everybody else leaves. Real life change happens over eating some salsa at someone's house at a life group. That's when real ministry can happen, when all of the church would engage and speak out what God is saying to us. It's good. The prophetic word is something that will encourage, strengthen, and comfort. 
So how do we get it? How do we begin to operate in this gift? Number one, the first thing we have to do is we have to get filled with the Spirit. We have to get filled up. So tonight at Encounter Night, starting at 6 o'clock, we're going to talk about that. If you've never asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want you to come. If you have but haven't operated in a while, come back. The Lord wants to continually be filling us with his presence because sometimes it leaks. <laughs> sometimes it leaks. Sometimes things in life happen, and we need a refilling of who God is. And so I want you to be here for that. The second thing, how do we operate in this gift of prophecy? Two, we have to learn to hear God's voice. We have to learn to be attentive to what God is saying. Yeah. Prophecy is not pop psychology. Prophecy is not like you saw a TED Talk and you're like, well, I feel like the Lord wants you to watch this TED Talk. Like a prophet, prophet I mean, maybe it could be that, I guess, but a prophetic word is something directly from the Lord that you feel like he's saying to somebody else. The only way you can share that is to really learn to hear his voice. And for me, the way that I hear God's voice is by silencing all the others. Yeah. You know where I hear God best? In the shower. You know why? Nobody else can talk to me in there. I'm there by myself, I'm there just taking time, using too much hot water, right? And God is just speaking to me and Rachel will come into the bathroom and I now keep a marker in the shower and I'm like writing things on the shower. I look like a psychopath, I'm pretty sure I look like a psychopath. But I'm like writing things, I'm writing sermon points and ideas and illustration. This whole thing that I did with the God and the voice and the words and the thing, that was all drawn on my shower before I ever showed up on a stage. Hopefully that doesn't weird you out, but that's kind of how my process works. And so where are you quiet? Where does God speak to you? Maybe it's when you're driving. When I drive, God speaks to me, right? Maybe it's when I'm at the gym three times a year, right? And so that's, <laughs> help me, Lord, right? That's a place that God, I'm getting better. That's where God speaks to me. When we get quiet, we have to learn to hear God's voice. So we get filled with the Spirit. We learn to hear God's voice. Number three, we have to start developing the gift, Nobody starts prophesying, saying like, the Lord told me that you had strawberry Pop-Tart for breakfast and you're wearing green underwear, right? Nobody, like, nobody starts like in these super detailed specific prophecies. We start with saying, hey man, I feel like the Lord wants you to know that he loves you and he cares for you. Yeah. Teaching is a gift of the Spirit. So when I first started operating in my gift of teaching, can I tell you it was not what it is today. My first sermon was garbage, Right? It's not good. But as I've developed the gift, now more things can be produced yeah. out of it. Before David killed Goliath, he had to kill the bear. Right. And before he killed the bear, he probably killed a squirrel and ate it for lunch. Right? And so there's a progression of our gifting. And so we have to start developing those gifts in us. So what if, what if you brought the Holy Spirit into every conversation? Every conversation. Not just like churchy conversations. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, right? Not just those conversations. What if the Lord was with you? What if you always ask the question, God, what can I say to help them? What if you're talking with somebody and you ask, just not out loud, God, what, what can I say to help them? What if you said, God, what do you want them to know? I say that to God every time before I preach as I'm writing sermons. God, what do you want your people to know? Not what do I want to say, what do you want to say? Right. What if you started to ask God, God, what do you want to confirm to them through me? Maybe the Lord spoke something to somebody, and they're nervous about what God said, and all they do is need a confirmation. They just need you to come along and say, hey man, God's called you and equipped you, and he wants to do great things through you. They just need a conversation. Or what if you said, God, 
what pain have they experienced that you want me to help bring healing to? You know, there's a lot of hurt in the world. All of us, we could pass a microphone around and we'd all be sobbing by the third person if we talked about the hurt that we've all experienced. Sometimes we just need somebody to tell us God loves us through it, that it's okay, that our past is our past and our future is brighter than what we've walked through. What if we were a church that would operate in the prophetic gift and speak life into people? Life change would happen. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 says this, in the last days, which we live in now because after the resurrection of Jesus, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Will do what? Will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. God says the same thing back to back. He's not stuttering, he's emphasizing. He's emphasizing to us that as the New Testament church, that upon all people, men and women, we should be prophesying over each other. That we should hear from God, not thus saith the Lord, but just, hey man, can I share a scripture with you? Hey, can I tell you a story? Can I help encourage you? God doesn't want us sitting in the bleachers. He wants you put on a jersey and get on the field. It's our job to be loving people around us. So here's the question, how, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the whole series. You ready? I've been teaching for five weeks just for this question. How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? We have to believe, ask, and receive. The reason I've been talking for five weeks on this topic is so that we would all start to believe, that we would believe that God is three in one that we would believe that the Holy Spirit is relevant for today, that we would believe that when Jesus ascended into heaven and said it's better that the comforter comes, that we would believe that that's true. Yes. It's been talking about the gifts, been talking about all these things that can make us feel a little bit uneasy at first so that we could raise our belief. After our belief is raised, then we ask. We say, God, I believe that your spirit is real and I want you to fill me. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 11. If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So good. So God's saying, me as a man, I'm evil. I have evil in my heart, in my flesh. I have bad desires. But I still know how to give my son Titus some Hot Wheels and monster trucks, right? I know what my son likes, so I give him what he likes. How much more then will our Heavenly Father give us good gifts, the Holy Spirit, to those of us who ask? To be filled with the Holy Spirit, you just have to believe and ask. You don't have to like fast for 30 days. You don't have to live without sin for a year. You don't have to put $1,000 in the bucket as it passes. You don't have to do any of that stuff to receive the Holy Spirit. You have to believe. You have to ask. And number three, you have to receive. The Bible says this, Acts 2 3 through 8, or 38, it says, Peter said to them, repent, so get saved, and each of you be baptized, water baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have to receive it. If you mailed me a gift, and Amazon came to my door, ding dong, I have to open the door, and I have to receive the thing. Yes? They could put it on my porch, and I could just let it sit there forever, and I could never receive the thing. 
But sometimes we believe and we ask, but then we don't actually believe that we're good enough to receive. And so tonight, an encounter night, we're going to ask and receive. But then the question that we have is, well, how do I know if it worked? (laughs) How do I know if I'm actually filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I know? The fourth thing is we have to take a leap. We believe, we ask, we receive, and then we take a leap. Everything in faith, we have to take a leap for. To plant this church, we had to take a leap. I had to actually quit my other job at like a mega church where I was like actually at a paycheck and insurance. And then we had to take a leap and come to a city where we didn't know anybody. We had to take a leap. Before you get on a ministry team, you have to take a leap. I don't know anybody. I don't know how to be an usher, but I'm going to sign up and I'm going to go to a meeting and meet somebody I don't know. And I'm going to take a leap and put myself out there. Before you go to a life group, you have to take a leap. Before you ever tithe, before you put a dollar in the bucket, you have to take a leap of faith that this seed you're sowing, God's going to bring harvest in your life. You have to take a leap. And before you can ever operate in the prophetic, you have to take a leap. Before you can ever pray in a prayer language, you have to take a leap. God doesn't like take over your body and make you do things. He's a gentleman. He only goes places he's invited. And so we invite God, we believe, we ask, we receive, and then we take a leap. And so tonight, an encounter night, that's what we're going to do. I've spent five weeks growing our belief. Tonight, we ask, we receive, we take a leap. We're just going to come to this place and worship together. We're going to say, if you're here and you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, stand or come up and we're going to pray. We're going to believe that you're filled and then we're going to start taking some leaps and allow God to speak through you to some other people.